Welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series in small business sustainability. And our guest this week, well, if you've ever had a French fry from In-N-Out Burger, you've probably have had a product because of our guest. This is Small Business Celebration. Welcome, where we're celebrating small businesses for big breakthroughs. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, where we celebrate the breakthroughs of small business so that you can too. And our guest this week is Jason Davenport, the founder of Allied Potato. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate the invitation to be here. I'm looking forward to talking to you today about my business. For visioneers who don't yep. know who you are, who are you and what is it that you do? I'm Jason Davenport. I'm the founder of Allied Potato. Uh, I started Allied Potato in 2007 mostly as a marketing company to market potatoes to sell to overseas customers um, that I had in uh, mostly Asia and Central America. Right now, uh, we got into farming, so we started farming back in 2009, a couple years later. Um, and we've been farming for, man, it's been almost 15 years now. So now we farm in California, in Oregon, Washington, uh, Colorado, and Idaho. We've also had farming operations in uh, Morocco as well. If you've ever been to In-N-Out Burger, you've probably had an Allied Potato. Yep, that's right, yep. You mentioned that you started out as a marketing company. Yes. That got into the potato business. Why, well, well first of all, are you from Bakersfield? No, I grew up on a farm in Idaho. Okay. So in western Idaho, right. um, a small town uh, in the Boise Valley called Melba. Okay, And um, I very, know where that is. Yeah, it's a very small town. <laughs> We had maybe, um, oh man, my graduating class in high school was a little over 60 people. 60? 60. 60. Wow. Very small. Okay. So, but I, I'm a fifth generation farmer from Idaho. I grew up on a farm there. My dad was a farmer. His dad, uh, my mom's family were all farmers. Anyways, I grew up on the farm there and uh, I actually didn't want to farm. I hated the idea of farming. And you wanted to travel the world instead. I did. <laughs> I always wanted to travel. I mean, because you know, I can imagine, you know, from a small town, graduating class of 60, yeah. you're like, I, I don't care where I go as long as it's not here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't traveled much even up to my senior year of high school. Like, I'd been out of Idaho once to California. My parents were divorced and my dad lived in, in uh, California at the right. time. So, no, I, I'd only been down to visit California. And then when my dad eventually came back to Idaho to start farming again, that's when I moved in with him, and I was in about sixth grade at the time. So. Right. And at one point when you came down with your father to live with your father, you went to work for your uncle here in Bakersfield. Yeah, so I was working on the farm for my dad in Idaho. I, um, I graduated in mid-May from high school, and my uncle had contacted us and said, hey, do you want to come down to Bakersfield and, um, and, and harvest potatoes for us? He just set up an operation here. He was a Washington farmer. Right. And so I spent a couple months in Bakersfield harvesting potatoes, starting my days at five in the morning, you know, <laughs> living out of a hotel, working until like six, seven o'clock at night, hardly having time for dinner. Welcome to the world yeah, of farming. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I was used to Idaho farming, but California farming, when you're in this heat wave window of needing to get the potatoes out before it gets too hot right. was pretty crazy. I mean, we literally watched potatoes melt in the ground because it got so hot here. And wow. I'd never seen that in Idaho before. I was wow. like, what is happening to these potatoes? Sure. Um, it's, it's a different environment when you're farming here, but it was, it was an eye opener. Like I, 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 my first time living in a place like California anywhere down here. So Bakersfield was new to me. Um, it was all foreign. It was super hot. 
I, I finished my couple months of working here and it was a lot of work, you know, working long days. And then I drive all the way back to Idaho. I get home at like two in the morning. I literally go into my parents' room and I've slammed the door open. I'm like, I'm home. And, and I'm, I'm never like, going to do this again. I'm never going back to Bakersfield. It is the armpit of the world. <laughs> that's, that's what I thought from Idaho. I was like, sure, right. it is terrible. And, uh, and I come back to Idaho planning to go to University of Idaho. I was never really going to get an ag degree. Right. I um, I was planning to just go into finance or something like sure, that. Sure, sure. My dad told me growing up in the 90s, he's like, if there's anything I can instill in your mind, never be a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, yeah. And yet, <clears throat> you're, you, you started a marketing company. Right, yeah. So, and, and, you know, and the funny thing about that is, is just to make sure that I didn't get into farming, he sold the farm while I was in college so that I wouldn't have anything to come back to. Nice, so nice. He's like, I'm out. You're done. You're not coming back. What on earth possessed you to start your own business? Yeah, that was not in the plan, actually. <laughs> okay. That was, it was never my plan to, immediately to start my own business. I just had a lot of motivation. Right. And somehow, because of just my upbringing, growing up on a farm, I had a lot of discipline instilled in me for some reason. Mm -hmm. And to me, life has two really important things that happen at some point in your life. You get motivated, and then you use that motivation. Motivation only lasts for a short amount of time. But discipline is what carries you forward. Right. And for me, it was I was always known as a very disciplined person. Mm. And so I think I had, you know, people saw that in me. And so I had job offers, I had opportunities. I knew that I had opportunities in, in the corporate world or in the business world to just to do a lot of different things. And um, so I, I was looking for those opportunities, but at the same time, that same uncle right. that, um, that I worked with in Bakersfield that had us come down there my senior year and harvest potatoes, um, you know, he kind of really wanted me to, to work with him. And I, I just didn't really want to. After the Bakersfield experience, it wasn't sure. a great experience. But we, didn't, we did end up starting a business together. Even though I, I founded Ally Potato as a company, it was with my uncle as a partner in the company. So we started it as a marketing company together. And that was in 2007. And I was 29 years old at the time. First of all, for Ally Potato, who is your principal customer? So in the beginning, it started off as uh, customers in other countries. So we're a marketing company, we're an international marketing company, and we were buying potatoes from growers in the US, right. and we were marketing them and selling them to customers in Asia, particularly in Central America. And, and they were making potato chips out of the potatoes. So they were cu customers like PepsiCo Foods, okay. Frito-Lay, International, right. Calbee Foods in, in Japan. Right. Uh, multiple customers around the world that just manufactured potato chips in their countries they may have six months of supply of potatoes. The other six months, they have to import potatoes due to monsoons or rainy season. Sure. So they just didn't have year-round access to potatoes. They would use the U.S. to supplement their, their needs to keep their plant functioning. And these same customers may or may not have any idea of what it is you're selling. Right. They don't. So your website, to this day, has something that I think is absolutely ingenious. And for those of us who are not in the farming business, it's incredibly helpful. We put the exact picture of the potato <laughs> or the onion or whatever it is that we're selling right on the website so they can see very clearly, because there's multiple different types of potatoes. Right. How many varieties of potatoes oh, are there? Oh, there's thousands of varieties of potatoes. Right. And so, there's different purposes. There's right. different segments and categories of the potato industry. There's, so if I'm going yeah. through and I'm needing to buy several tons of potatoes, right. And I know nothing about potatoes. I need to know what it is I'm buying. Right, right. 
And we want to be really clear to our customers, particularly when they're in other countries and they're educated in a way where they don't come from a farm. Mm. They came from a university system, they're working for a corporate business, and they're buyers. They have no idea what they're buying. So right. we really wanted to make this as simple as possible. Here are the basic pictures of not only what the raw potato looks like, but here's what the fried potato looks like. <laughs> sure. This is what it's going to look like when you receive it. This is what it's going to look like when you fry it. And and that really helps them get and cut through the, the, the conversation where you're not talking about a russet potato or a red or a yellow or a white. Right. Not only that, but other countries like that we were competing with in Europe and India and other countries like that, they have different types of potatoes that don't look like ours, but they have the same functionality. Right. So that gives them a, a different look to say, hey, this is exactly what our potato is going to look like and this is exactly how it's going to fry. It's going to do the same thing for you that you're, that you're getting from other countries. It just may look different right. on the outside. For visioneers who aren't familiar with Allied Potato, how many states do you have fields in? So we farm right now in California, okay. in Oregon, Washington, Colorado, and Idaho, and we also have had farming operations in Morocco, Northern Africa as well. How many full-time employees do you have? We have about 200 full-time employees. And how much of your product is exported outside of the U.S.? Probably about 30% of the potatoes we grow are exported. Really? Yeah. So 70% are, are domestic North America. Yep, yep. So, and we're going to, visionaries, we're going to talk more about how all that came to pass in the next segment <laughs> because the conversation with his uncle was a blessing and a curse. So you yeah. definitely don't want to miss this when we talk about it. And for visioneers who want to learn more about Allied Potato and what it is that you can offer them, how do they get in touch with you? Well, the best way is um, through email, right. jason at alliedpotato.com. I always, I live and die out of my email. Right. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, just look up Jason Davenport, Bakersfield, California, and I'm, right. I'm there. I usually interact with people through LinkedIn as well, or my phone here at the office, or a cell phone, 661-858-3797. You can call me anytime, shoot me a text. I'm pretty open, I like to talk about this kind of stuff. I think it's fun. And if you enjoy Small Business Celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe, and notify. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about what do you do when you have a family member who is actively trying to put you out of business? When we come right back. The winter season is rapidly approaching, but are the tires on your car or truck ready for wet weather? Bakersfield's best tire store, Clareau Tire, has been serving families like yours for 80 years and installs and services the tires your family depends on when the wet weather comes. Give Clareau Tire a call at 661-324-6069 and ask them about what tire works best for you and your budget. Call Clareau Tire at 661-324-6069 or visit them at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield or at ClareauTire.com today. The wet winter weather is rapidly approaching. Call Clareau Tire at 661-324-6069 today. I'm here with Jason Davenport, the founder of Allied Potato, and our visioner question comes from Kerpal who asks, my brother and I are growing our business and we have a family member who is actively trying to stop our business from growing. How do you deal with this? Well, <laughs> and you've got personal experience with this. I do. As a matter of fact, when I founded Ally Potato with, with a family member, um, that family member actively tried to sabotage my business, honestly, from the beginning. Wow. Why? Yeah. 
Uh, you know, your family. Why, 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 why would he do that? You know, that's the million dollar question. You, you try to ask those questions. You try to ascertain, you know, what's the reason. My, I, you only come up with your own theories of why that may have happened. I was young at the time. I was only 29 when I started the company. I refused to go work for that family member. So I didn't want to work uh, for them. And they wanted, they preferred me to work for them. And my theory is, is that, that they preferred me to fail in the business so that I would have no choice but to then have to come work for them. So they just created obstacles in the business that made it almost impossible to succeed. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, one of the stories I'll tell you real quick about the beginning formation of that is when we started the company and we needed a little bit of seed money to start the business. Right. Um, that came from my family member. Um, they started sending some money and, and essentially um, he calls me up one day and he's, and he's like, hey, if there's even a penny that's not in the right spot. I want you to know I'm gonna send my attorneys down there and my accountants, and if I find anything out of place in the books, he's like, I'm gonna prosecute, you'll go to prison. And I was like, 29 years old. And he's like, you have a fiduciary duty and a due diligence to me as your partner, and I expect you to, 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 to hold up to your end of the bargain on that. I didn't even know what fiduciary duty and, and due diligence meant at the time. Fortunately, I kept all of my books from college, and I had a business law book, and I took you know a business law class, so I'm looking it up and I'm, you know, just rereading the book and everything and I'm just like, wow, this guy is intense. So I learned a lot through the process because, you know, anytime I negotiated a contract with a customer, he wanted to read then negotiate it after I'd already established the contract with the customer. And he said, nope, you got to go change this and change that. So I had to go embarrassingly rehash contracts with customer, change my prices, work with the growers and basically tell them that we weren't taking any risk on their on their products that we were shipping them. There was just, there was nothing I could do but to say, I mean, we I had to have absolute protection. Then the other thing he would say is that he would just say, well, this is just a job for you and just like, this isn't gonna be anything, you know, anything good for us as a business. And like, it was just terrible. He, he, he literally tried to sabotage it from the beginning. And so I just had to fight to make my customers happy to keep my grower base happy because I was marketing my growers crops to sell them overseas and um, and manage the logistics and the supply chain ho holding everything together and it was just every day was a battle anytime he would call on the phone I would just look at it and just go what am I going to battle with today and it was a lot of stress a lot of anxiety as a matter of fact I actually thought at one point if I make it through this I would literally rather become a garbage man on the other end and just go work <laughs> a nine to five job Right. And something as humble as whatever I could do, just I don't care. I'll pick right. up people's trash for a living at that point. I just wanted to have a stable, normal life and a stable, normal job. And I didn't want to deal with this anymore. I felt like I had I had gotten into bed with with someone way more like it was like a mobster almost. I felt like as a New Jersey or New York, you know, dealing with like the mob or something like that. And not in in a real way, but like literally as a family member, but still it was it felt pretty painful that this was being you know exacerbated on a 29 year old who didn't have any experience in business but i learned a lot i learned a lot and it was like a master's degree in business because i had learned i i dumped myself into books into reading into contract law into like learning everything and like making sure that by the time we got through we actually made money i paid him back any loans that we had of the business plus interest we agreed to part ways and the last remaining words that he told to me as I left and we, and we parted ways in the business, we tried to you know, amicably separate and everything, but he basically said, well, when you fail, I might have a job for you. And I was like, wow, okay, so don't fail. <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, do not fail because I'm not going back to this guy for a job. So, but that's basically what he, what he said is he's, you know, and, and he, so he was essentially rooting for me to fail 
from that point forward. As a matter of fact, he even actively tried at that point once we broke off and I had the business myself and then I partnered up with with a local um, Bakersfield uh, partner on the business. Who is? Uh, Brian Kirschman right. uh, with Kirschman Farms. Him right. and I were good friends and he was a great support system for me through that whole process. Whenever I would have a bad call with my uncle, um, I would call Brian and explain it to him and he was a good sounding board and we just we established a really good relationship which we already had prior to that, but he helped me get through that for the most part, as well as other family members and stuff, but Brian was pretty instrumental. And then we partnered up in the end. Um, essentially, after my uncle and I left the business, I was like, what am I gonna do? Do I, do I keep this on my own and just try to make it work by myself? But I saw the value in having a partner, and, and preferably a partner that thought more like me and was more tailored around what I wanted to do as well. And I saw that in Brian, so we partnered together and came together on Allied Potato. And that's where Kirschman and Allied kind of came together in the beginning. How long were you and your uncle? It was only partners? one year, one year of business. And it was the worst year of my entire life. It was the best and worst year. Right. I learned the most lessons in a very short amount of time, but it was also painfully just anxiety ridden. I was stressed. I didn't sleep. I had to like find, you know, during my days I would work really hard and at nights I would just dive into different books of just like not educational books but more like fantasy novels or something because I had to get my mind off of work like I had I was living two different lives at night I was like with my family and trying to get work off the brain um, but I couldn't because in an international business my customers were emailing at night they would call me I'd have conference calls right. it never really went away but I had to have at least some moments during the day that I could just focus on something besides work and that's when I just jump into a book and I would read for an hour or something that was my my peaceful moment to just clear my head and think about something else and that was what I enjoyed that that helped me get through it a lot as well but just the challenge of having someone like that looking back on it honestly I'm glad it happened I'm really glad it happened I mean I don't think I'd be who I am now or or capable of what I'm capable of in, in business now without that that struggle and I've learned to embrace struggle since then. The, the, the thing about hardship and lessons is that once you've made it through something like that, and even as hard as it is, it helped me bring my customers and I got closer through the experience, my grower base and my eventual partner Brian and I got closer through the experience and we then saw a more clarity at the other side of that. More of a vision of what we want to do with the business and how we really want to form it. We are free of the baggage of a difficult partner at that point. Now we could do what we wanted to do. And it was not easy, but I mean, honestly, I don't know that I would go back and change a single thing about the way it happened. Um, the fact that we got through it okay and we were successful is, is helpful, but it's those valuable lessons of like knowing the competition is gonna be that difficult. Like, you know, thinking about competitors in a different way, thinking about customers in a different way, thinking about, you know, your own employees and your own partnerships in a different way. Not not suspiciously, but more strategically. You know, you've got to think about every relationship strategically. Right. So, and I'm a very analytical person anyway. So he kind of heightened my senses in a way where all of a sudden I was somewhat analytical and somewhat strategic to where now I'm ultra strategic and ultra analytical <laughs> about everything, almost to a detriment, but in a way, but I mean, I'm also very fortunate that I'm decisive. And I, so taking analytical capabilities and strategic capabilities and combining them with decisiveness and just going, you, know, you, can, you can run through scenarios in your mind really fast and go, okay, this is the avenue I want to go in and I'm just going to go in this, this direction. You can make that really quick. What's Christmas like now with him? Oh, we, we, so the family used to be very close, but w once we kind of had this little disagreement or this challenge as, as a family, our whole family, 
Uh, my mom is his older sister, and so it's been, they, they stay close, but like we haven't gotten together as much at all as a family where we used to quite a bit. And you know, it's one of those things too where you, you kind of decide in the beginning, hey, if we're gonna partner as a family, blood is thicker than water, we're always gonna come out the other end, and we're gonna be friends no matter what. We're gonna be family, we're gonna, we're gonna hold together, and that just goes away in a heartbeat. I mean, I did everything I could, in my mind, obviously, to keep that, that family relationship and that dynamic together, but you know, I, I think that there were other, other issues that came up with, with that side of the family that they just wouldn't see that um, they wanted to do that. And, and I don't know why, honestly. I mean, there's so much to psychoanalyze about what happened and why and why someone takes a stance the way they do when you end a partnership or a relationship. Right. But it's just like at that point, I was like, I don't, I'm not going to work that hard to care that much anymore. If they want to have a relationship, great. But if they don't, hey, you know, I, more power to them to just live their life. Do you credit the growth of Allied Potato and the significant size that Allied Potato is now? Is that because of your uncle and saying, I'll show him? Or is this more of a, I'll show me? You know, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think there's, it's natural to obviously get at least some kind of chip on your shoulder at some point. Right for a variety of reasons. I mean, whether it be my dad selling the farm while I was in college, well, I'll show him I can go farm or I can go do something and, right. you know, or it's my uncle and, you know, and, and him. Every time I saw him after I, we left our partnership, the one thing he would tell me is that, you know, I'm working to put you out of business. He's like, literally, I am trying to actively take your contracts from you and work, work you out of a job. And I just looked at him and, I, and I, I learned his game at that point. I just kind of would laugh and I'd go, well, you know, I really prefer California. And I'd see him up in Washington where we were farming up there as well. And I'd say, if you actually were successful in taking you know, our business in Washington and removing that from me, I don't have to travel up here as much. And I would prefer to stay in California. <laughs> so I would just kind of joke with him and just be like, you know, I'm, I'm cool with not traveling up here. I'm okay with that. And I know it was a little bit facetious, but he would just kind of look at me funny because he didn't know how to take jokes like that. Right. And he would just like be like, why would you say that? And he wouldn't even comment, but you know, that's just the way we left it. And, um, and it was just kind of funny. But I mean, I just kind of played into it at that point. I just didn't care. I was like, whatever. If he wants to be a jerk, go ahead and be a jerk. You know, that's fine. I'm not going to fall into it, though. When we come back, we're going to talk about changing the way you ask your suppliers to do things so that you can help benefit your customers. When we come right back. One of the questions I often get asked off camera is, Michael, where do you get all these really great questions that you have your guests answer on Small Business Celebration? And where it comes from is because of visioneers just like you who reach out to us on our social media platforms like LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. They, they direct message me, they send me the question, and sometimes those questions end up here on Small Business Celebration. So if you've got a question, you've got a thought, something you'd like to get answered by one of our guests here on Small Business Celebration, reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. I'm here with Jason Davenport, the founder of Allied Potato, and our visioner question comes from Debbie who asks, we have an opportunity with an existing client to significantly grow our business, but we have to change the way our suppliers create their products in order for us to fill this new order. What did you do to work with your suppliers to make the change without having to charge a lot more to do so? Well, this is a two-part answer. Okay. One of, the, one of the things we've done with our suppliers is a marketing company that's kind of why I became a farmer. So my suppliers were farms. Mm -hmm. 
So my background was in farming. Right. So I actually went from marketing potatoes to actually going back and acquiring the farms. Mm. That way I could determine what the supply needed to look like on the supply side. Okay. Now that's not an easy thing to do to just go back and acquire your suppliers. That's not necessarily what I'm recommending to do, <laughs> right. but, I'm, but it's what we did as a matter of fact, because right. I needed to maintain quality. Mm -hmm. I needed to, um, to ship the right product to my customers that were demanding the right stuff. And the farms needed the right expertise to produce the products the right way. Mm. And we had the expertise to actually show them that, or I did. And so I did on the farms and I went in and I changed the way the farms did everything mm. so that we could export our potatoes overseas. What was the reaction from the farmers? It was it was a lot of pushback. Okay. It was a I lot. They imagine, did not yeah. want to do it. We've been doing this for three generations. Exactly. Right. That's exactly what you fight. You fight. Everyone says this, says, this is the way we've been doing it. There's no reason to change why. And I'm like, well, first off, it's a niche. Right. Anytime you have an opportunity to establish a niche, it starts out small and it grows into a stable, normal business. Right. And the, the opportunity there is that when your competition isn't doing that, and you're offering it, then you then have the opportunity to grow and be a couple years ahead of your competition. And that's right. where we've established ourselves, is being ahead of our competition in the sense that we've been doing it longer, we've learned the lessons, we've, we've adapted to those niche requirements, and we've, and we've adapted our supply side to make sure that we can meet those demands of our customers. Now, it's not every demand. In the middle of doing that, you also have to be able to find things that take away from your efficiency and your optimization in your business to say no to certain things. We mm. have customers we've had to actually do less for. Mm. There's some customers and some businesses that we've actually said they don't quite fit our model and we don't really want to turn away business. Right. But at the same time, when you're on a, on a pretty steep growth curve, in order to either keep growing or to, or to optimize your business and to find efficiencies, you have to, you have to be able to, not I don't like to tell customers no. Essentially what I do is I just price them out. Right. So I right. don't tell anyone no. I'm right. just like, you just slowly raise your price enough for certain customers that they're just like, they can no longer afford your product. Right. Um, and if they do still want your product and they're willing to pay for it at a high price, then it's a win. Sure, like, right, right. You know, they're just right. going to pay you more and you're like, well, I'm trying to get rid of them, but I keep raising my <laughs> price. You know, and it's not like you're doing that on purpose. It just, it's just part of business sometimes. There's certain small customers that you have that may only take a small amount. It's more... We used to like to say the thing that, you know, if a customer is 10% of our business, but they require 90% of our time, then that's, that's, a, that's something we've got to fix. Right. <laughs> that's sure. a problem right. in, our, in our business. Have you gone and visited your customers oh, in every overseas? Year. Yeah, every year I go, except during this COVID period. Sure. I haven't been to some of my customers since 2019 or, right. well, it's been 2019. Some of them I've seen since then, but most of them it's been a few years. I, I need to get there like this year. Right. One of the things I've mentioned on more than one occasion, both on and off camera, is that every person who's an American needs to leave the United States oh, yeah. at some point and go visit another country. Yeah. And how has that experience of you visiting, both for fun yeah. and for business, yep. uh, yeah, how has that impacted and changed the way that you do business? Well, I love other cultures and I okay. love, I mean, I love doing business in other countries. Like okay. being from Idaho, Right, sure. Graduating <laughs> or, class of 60. Gra yeah. I literally had not, I had very little experience with other cultures and other areas. I mean, I knew I had, where, where our, our ancestors and our roots kind of came from for the most part. But I mean, you know, when you travel to Japan or to Thailand or to Indonesia or to Europe or to Northern Africa or the Middle East or, you know, China or, you know, Korea or any right. of that kind of stuff, it just, you're, you're, 
there's so many things that you see that you had no idea, you know, how those cultures handle things. And so we ship our potatoes to 30 different countries. Right. I've been to a lot of different countries around the world, and I have business opportunities to do to, to sell more potatoes to different com com companies and countries all, all around the world all the time. Whether it's Senegal or Southern Africa or, you know, South Africa or Kenya or something like that, we've always got an opportunity to go to a new country and to have a new experience. Um, you know, and, and I appreciate that a lot because it's, it's once you get to know people in those cultures, you get to know their background, their histories, their stories, you know, what makes them tick, what makes them motivated, you know, what makes them successful in business, what are their restrictions to business and to opportunity. Right. And, and you start to really see, you know, in a way, how good you have it. As hard as it was for that one year right. that I had to go through, it's nothing in comparison to what other people have to go through in other countries, period. It's just that you gain an appreciation for like, wow, I'm a baby. I mean, like literally. Right. I had one year of difficulty and I'm like, you know. <laughs> and you're crying and about I'm it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was my rough life. And this was, you know, my American viewpoint of like, you know, this was so hard, you know, why does anyone have to go through this? It's like, that's business. You know, most people in other countries, they would be like, that's a piece of cake. Are you kidding me? That's, I had that for breakfast. Yeah, right. We call <laughs> you know? it Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, you, you, you start putting things in perspective like that and you really realize okay never mind I mean th then you look for those challenges you look for the things that actually are harder because you know it's gonna make you better because if other people can do it in other countries with way less capabilities and resources then you definitely know you can as well and it motivates you it makes you go you know what I can do more anytime you think you can do less no you can do a lot more way more when I walked in for this interview this morning I walked into Jason's office and I saw something that made me chuckle. <laughs> what, what are, first of all, go ahead and pull this out and sure. show Visionary Nation what this is. <laughs> You've seen oftentimes some, a business owner who's taken a $1 bill and they framed it and they've put it up on their wall as the first dollar that they have yeah. earned. Uh, this $20 bill has been cut up into multiple pieces and framed. Yeah. Okay, there's got to be a story behind this. You, you got to tell me about this. Yeah, it's, it, a lot of people ask about that framed, crazy-looking puzzle put together, $20 bill. And right. it all started at uh, early on in the business when I partnered up with Brian Kirschman. We were having lunch right. in, out in Lamont, California, one of my favorite uh, Mexican restaurants out there. And we sit down at the table, and there's a bunch of us at the table. And, um, and a few people brought me a card or a gift or whatever. And right. we don't normally do that. And I was like, wasn't expecting it, but... He pulls out a card and he gives it to, gives me a card and inside the card was this was this chopped up twenty dollar bill, and he just kind of starts <laughs> laughing hysterically and I'm just looking at this twenty dollar bill like what is going on and he's what? just like he's like I just gave you this twenty dollar bill because I know that you'll find a way to tape it back together and go use it in some way because you're so cheap, <laughs> and um, I'm like so I at first I did I taped it back together and I was like okay well yeah he's he's right I probably would use it and then and then I thought about it and I was like no I'm gonna take the tape off never mind right. I'm, why, why do what he said? I'm like, I'm going to put it in the frame and remind him and remind me that, yes, I, I am a little bit cheap. <laughs> and, and he did give me a $20 bill, you know, right. and I was tempted to spend it. If it was $1, yeah, I would have been like, okay, that's pretty funny. Right. But, but a $20 bill, no, this, I, I framed it because it just reminds me and reminds him to that point that you don't get where you're at in business sometimes with the mindset of you know, leak a, 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 a rowboat leaking with a thousand tiny leaks, or death by a thousand tiny cuts. Right. You know, I've always worked hard in my life to to plug the holes, 
or to, or to fix the little cuts. Make sure that you're not dying due to stupidity or due to just you know a lack of focus and attention to the to the minor things and the small details. Every twenty dollars in the business, every thousand dollars in the business, every five hundred dollars in the business is if you can find ways to find that efficiency and that savings in some area, you know, whether you pay that back to your employees and, and are able to give them a little bit more money or retain them better or or you know offer a, a lower price product and right. make yourself more competitive. It's just it just the way a business needs to work. So you have to think about that from that perspective always. And, I, and I've never lost that train of thought. I always think about how do we find ways to optimize and, and create efficiency in our business and do it at the, at the least cost for our customers because that's ultimately why we're in business. And dadgummit, I'm not going to spend that $20. Uh, nope, and it's going to be show here forever. <laughs> it's, and, and as soon as I framed it, that was the best part is that he comes into my office and he's like, well, you framed your $20 bill. I'm like, I'm not going to forget that one. That was pretty funny. So, yeah. Well, Jason, this has been a real treat. Thank you for joining us here on Small Business Celebration. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate the questions. Um, it's been awesome. So thank you all very much. And if visioneers want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Again, so if you want to get in touch with me, please either contact me by my cell phone, 661-858-3797, or by my email, jason at alliedpotato.com. No E in potato. And I'll be right back with my final thought. The winter season is rapidly approaching, but are the tires on your car or truck ready for wet weather? Bakersfield's best tire store, Claro Tire, has been serving families like yours for 80 years and installs and services the tires your family depends on when the wet weather comes. Give Claro Tire a call at 661-324-6069 and ask them about what tire works best for you and your budget. Call Claro Tire at 661-324-6069 or visit them at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield or at clarotire.com today. The wet winter weather is rapidly approaching. Call Claro Tire at 661-324-6069 today. The Vegetables of Your Labor some of you visioneers may know that I grew up in Ridgecrest, California. It's in the Mojave Desert, and we don't grow a lot of things there in the high desert. We grow creosote bushes and sagebrush and occasionally alfalfa. So me living here in the San Joaquin Valley when it comes to agriculture is a new experience. I'm constantly learning new things. And when I had this conversation with Jason Davenport, and he took me out to one of his fields to film that's just about ready to be harvested for potatoes, I was a little concerned. I mean, everything looked dead. This does not look like something that's ripe for harvest. And Jason was very patient with me and he explained to me that the way the potato works is that it goes ahead, and it, when it grows, it gives this big green bushy leafy bush but when it gets to the point that it's ready to mature, to be ready to be harvested, the potato actually takes all the nutrients from the, the flowering green leafy part and takes it underground. And that's how the potato becomes the potato. So that it basically, it sacrifices everything above ground, everything that's seen to give the the, the heart, the, the juicy, yummy goodness that we enjoy as a potato. Now, 
I got to thinking, well, the analogy of this one's a piece of cake. We go through and we work really hard and what people see on the surface is one thing, but when we get down to the nuts and bolts, the reality is, is it's what's underground. It's what's unseen. It's, what, it's where all the energy and the nutrients get stored in our business. But we forget about something else that's vitally important because what's also happening underground is the potato is preparing and launching the future. It's sending out all kinds of other roots to go ahead and start other potatoes to grow and leaf and, and grow seeds and so that it can start to, so that I can go ahead and, and become fruit of its own labors or as I should say, the vegetable of its labor. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week with Jason Devaport, the founder of Ally Potato. And I hope you learned something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. And we'll see you here again while we celebrate another small business making a big breakthrough. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration Podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.